Welcome to From the Back Tees, a podcast where we tee it up from the back every week. Welcome to the From the Back Tees podcast. Today's Monday, November 23rd. We got a sub-in host in Justin Holmes. We got our guy, Reed, and we got a huge guest on the show today. Took a while, but we finally figured out a time. We got a guy who is the all-time leading rusher in NCAA history. He is a Super Bowl. He has run in the Super Bowl. He has a touchdown. He has played under the Bill Belichick dynasty, that is the New England Patriots. And most importantly, he is somehow a fucking plus handicap. <laughs> no time on his hands. Danny Woodhead. Hey, what's up, fellas? Hey, thanks for having me. I'd have to say the trouble in us scheduling is probably due to my four children, and my four children and my four children because i, I, I get time anyway it's like we, we only do nine o'clock on a monday it's not the most ideal time to get guests for well, you know what it actually it actually worked out great this week the kids are in bed usually about the last one got into bed 15 minutes before this so i was like i was able to and just chilling the wife's gone so it, it gave me it gave me some time to just sit back and hang out right perfect uh, we love it. And before, oh, go ahead, Reed. I was just going to say, it's so funny. You know, we, we obviously got to have him on, and uh, you, you noted his football talents. But the, to hear him as a plus handicap, man, that's impressive. Well, thanks. I mean, it's it's been a long, long journey. I would say, well, I mean, at least three years. So I had always played and played fine. You know, like I could shoot in the 70s just off of, I don't know. I don't know if I would say athleticism, but like just kind of figuring it out. And I went through, once I retired, a, a good buddy of mine, his name's Rick Johnson. He's out of San Diego, now works at Del Mar Country Club. He, uh, he's, a, he's one, of, one of my close friends. And I still remember when I retired, he goes, all right, we need to rework your swing. And I'm like, what? Like the last thing I want to do is learn, relearn the sport. And he goes, no, I, th I think it'll benefit you. Like, if you ever want to actually get better. So it's kind of like, man, you kicked me right square in the nuts right there by saying I'm terrible. But he said, Hey, let's, let's, let's give it some time. And he goes, you'll be, you'll be appreciative once we do it. And so it's been like a three, I'm on the third year, been two years and change. So on the third year of kind of reworking my whole game and it's kind of paid off. Man, that's rough. Danny, I saw that you uh, you also almost put 50 points up in high school basketball. Uh, you were a soccer player. Were you naturally good at all these sports? Like, how does one do that? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like I've been gifted, obviously. I feel like God gave me some gifts that um, probably not a lot of people would maybe have. I'm, I'm saying that in, the, in a way of being very thankful, not like, man, I'm awesome. But uh, I, I'm very thankful with the, you know, the hand eye that God gave me, and obviously the, I I ran relatively fast and I was relatively quick, um, so obviously I I was born with some gifts, and then I just tried to more than anything I tried to be really, um, I tried to work really hard at it and use those gifts because it's like man if I if I'm able to do something well maybe I'm going to, I should try to be responsible and do really well at it. And fortunately, athletics is what it was. It wasn't like engineering, you know, it wasn't science, which I'm very thankful of because like I would have no idea what to do with that and I have no interest in it. But as far as sports, I always loved sports. My dad was a coach. So football and basketball were huge to me. Soccer I love, but football and basketball were my number one sports. Basketball was probably my number one. And um, then it just kind of football ended up being number one because it ended up being kind of a nice little, uh, I don't know. I, I was pretty good at it and that helps, you know, anything you're good at it kind of, you kind of like it even more. No, exactly. And one other thing that you're pretty good at, check out this segue podcasting. You do I, have your own podcast. Uh, yeah. So, so I've been doing it since, I don't know, it's, it hasn't even been a year, but uh, another former uh, NFL player co-hosted with me. His name's Matt Slauson, offensive lineman, one of my really good buddies. And 
it's called out of nowhere. And we just, I mean, we're literally talking about things out of nowhere. Like our conversations are ridiculous, like always. And then we also like everyone's story literally comes out of nowhere. Even if you're LeBron James's son, right. And you, uh, are born to you're supposed to be awesome well you're still like this little infant little baby and you have to come out of nowhere to do cool things and just like you guys you guys came out of nowhere to do your podcast now and in whatever else you're you're doing in your life so what we do is we have it usually ends up being a lot of athletes a lot of football players and golfers and then we just kind of hang out and talk on kind of how their story has happened because everyone goes from being a baby or goes from you know a weird not a weird childhood but like my childhood I was the the son of a teacher and a coach and my mom stayed at home that's not usually the most promising professional football player you know I'm saying like that's just not what people would think and uh so yeah that's our podcast we have a lot of fun we uh don't take ourselves serious and man it's it's enjoyable because it's not like media where you have to ask certain questions. It's like, you can do whatever the heck you want. It's your, your show. Yeah. Shit. We probably shouldn't have brought you on. You're like our number one competitor now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Gosh, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be on here. Yeah. What a <laughs> and, friends here, partners. We're all friends. Yeah, but, that's, uh, that's exactly right. Talking. Yeah. That's basically what we do. We usually talk a little golf and then we usually go on like some absurd tangent and end up talking about like hotel rooms in Vegas and how, which is great. hundred million. <laughs> Yeah, that, by the way, Zach, that Vegas stat I gave was one of the most impressive ones all year. That there's 100 million hotels in Vegas? <laughs> that, that's impressive, but it's probably true. It's probably yeah. true. <laughs> you got it on Wikipedia. Oh, totally gosh. fucked that one up. Yeah, yeah, Wikipedia. That's, that's accurate, though. Yeah, but talking a little bit of golf, uh, were you watching the Masters, I guess, last week? Well, two weeks ago now? Yeah, of course, man. Like, the Masters... Um, if I were to ever get a vasectomy, I think that would be master's weekend. You know, you just have to make sure it's not like during golf or I mean like when you can golf, I should have done like November would have been perfect. Right. Perfect. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I watched it. Um, man, it's, there, there's nothing better. I mean, it was a little stressful cause you're like, all right, we got to get this round done before it gets dark. Like, I didn't love that part of it because it, like, put, like, anxiety on me a little bit. Like, first couple rounds, it's like, I want to see all Tigers round, but I don't know if I'm going to. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. I have so many people that I enjoy following, and obviously I love the game of golf, and I appreciate, obviously, very good golf and what those guys do. Danny, I have, I have a question for you. I've kind of been pondering as we've been going along here. You've been talking about how you grew in the game of golf. Yeah. I know you played in the pro-ams and whatnot at Indian Creek there. I don't know if you played any other pro-ams. I'm sure you have. Um, what is your take on how good these guys are on the web.com or Corn Ferry now and even the PGA? Like, I mean, even, even the guys on the Corn Ferry Tour, like I know people won't focus on them that much because they're not playing with, you know, the PGA and traveling with them and whatnot and playing on the tour tournaments. But these guys are still so good. I think the thing that I realize more than anything, because I've had, I've been fortunate enough to be around some corn fairy guys, some PGA guys, and I don't want to say there's not a huge difference, but there's kind of not, right? I mean, when it comes to like the way they hit the ball, and you're like, hmm, and then you've played with other guys that are really good, and they they play on tour, and you're like, that's about very similar. And then there's even been some guys that I've played with that are on like mini tours, and I'm like that guy should probably be on the PGA tour. It's, it's kind of random. It's almost like a, it's almost like practice squad in football. And it's just like, you got to get that break or you got to get that opportunity or like you got to get hot in some tournaments. It, you got to get hot to where it's like, ah, oh, and next thing you know, you're getting your card because it's an awesome comparison i think with football so like opportunity is so much in football maybe more than any other sport yeah oh for sure and, and and that's the thing if you never get your opportunity well you're just not gonna ever play so sometimes you just have to get that opportunity even if it's hey man i need a i need a place top 25 or whatever this corn fairy because i just i got in and that isn't that what it is it moves you on to the next week if you just 
if you just yeah you know, Mon- Monday qualified and it's like just to keep continuing. It's like sometimes you do that. Next thing you know, maybe you just get a little hot in your game. I mean, everyone that's played golf knows that like there's sometimes there's a month where you're just fire, and then there's the next month where you're the trash bag of all trash bags. Or or it could be even as far as like, dude, some people go cold for two years and then get hot yeah. for five. Exactly. And, and, and that's what it's about is it's like just getting that opportunity. And when you do get that opportunity, just kind of seizing it. And, and so like to answer your question, a super long winded question playing from with PGA guys to a, to a, some corn fairy guys to just some random, like mini tour guys. They're all so freaking good. Like last week I played with a guy who plays on mini tours and, he almost qualified. I think he was a. He almost qualified for the Canadian Tour. Missed it by a shot. The dude goes out and shoots the most boring sixty sixes in just. Who was like, that, Danny? His name's Carson Shockey, and he plays yeah. in the Dakota Tours, and then goes down to Arizona, and I can't remember what that tour is. And he's even won, but it's like he's so good, but a lot of people wouldn't know. So it's like it's a grind. And, and that's something that I think a lot of people don't, they don't realize is we see uh, the masters or we see the players or, or just when, when they're going to quell hollow or Harbor, like we see those, those things. And it's like, Oh yeah, these guys are all rich. Their lives are the best ever. And it's like, for the most part, that's not how it works. Like there's a lot of guys that just are grinding and just trying to find a way, but we don't always see that. And uh, that's something that I've enjoyed seeing as I've gotten to know golfers is you're like, no, actually it's really hard and it's kind of a tough life. And, and that's something I learned in the NFL is like the practice squad guys, that's a grind. And that's really tough to break through and you never know when your paychecks are coming. I think that's a, that's a great point and probably a big reason we've gained a good viewership on our podcast because we basically started off our thing and actually how I met Reed was through another caddy by we were getting a lot of guys on the corn ferry tour even on the mckenzie tour who are now winners they've gone on to the pga tour guys like jared wolf who have won twice this year mark hubbard obviously like a bunch of these guys i think people enjoy those stories a lot more and can relate to that yeah i man i i would obviously we'd all love to be like yeah we had tiger woods on like i would but like that's not very relatable no not at all <laughs> It it just really isn't. Like maybe it's relatable to, I don't know, Dustin the, Johnson. Yeah, to Dustin Johnson, or like if we're talking non-golfers, maybe the CEO of like the biggest bank in the world. Maybe that's relatable. But like to me, to you guys, to hey, Danny, my, I got a my neighbors. For you. Yeah, go ahead. Is Tiger relatable to maybe LeBron James? Maybe, maybe there, yeah, there's LeBron a would be like. I guess I get it. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> but but LeBron's not our neighbor, right? So right. like, right. But, but like neighbors, like the, we we relate to the guys that are. So there there's a couple of guys in Nebraska that play. There's a guy that not too far from where I grew up, Brandon Crick. He's on the Corn Ferry Tour. That dude is the most normal dude. One of the most normal dudes I know. And he's just grinding. He's he had a good year this year. Um, he had a good end of the year last year, and hopefully he keeps going. But like, it's a process. It it really is. Yeah, that's how we feel about you, Reed. And now we're we're worried. The fans are worried that you're becoming too big time. No, 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 man. I'm <laughs> I'm one of the most fucking down to earth people. I, I love people. In fact, there are times where I I'm set like gazing at people, just watching life. I love it. It's weird. <laughs> people watching is the best. No, people I'm with Reed. People watching is the best. <laughs> There's nothing better than it, even at like an airport. I remember. Oh, dude, one thousand oh percent. Airports are the best people watching places of all time. I was I was on my way. I think it was last year, maybe, on my way to San Diego because it was in the winter, and I was just like, I needed to get out and play some golf. It was the most awkward. Like, probably a great guy, okay? But, like, he randomly, just out of, like, a little cooler, pulls out, and he's sitting there, and he pulls out a sweet potato. 
and starts eating it like an apple. And I'm just like, what are, what, what's this world come, come to? Right? Like to where we're just traveling with a random sweet potato. Like I love sweet potato. Russell Sprout though. Bro, that would have been weirder if, if they <laughs> that would have been super weird. But when I, when I saw that, I was just like, this is really odd. Like I didn't know. So what do I do? I take photos of him and I film him and I send him to my wife. Cause I just thought it was weird. So people watching is phenomenal. Once I tell I the story all the time, I was at a bar with Reed in Florida and we're just sitting there just having a drink. All of a sudden Reed jumps up and like, calls himself into action to run outside because he's want to be a, he's wanted to be a police officer his whole life and just starts interacting so he's that guy eating the sweet potato i i love it maybe that maybe that was you yeah <laughs> I, I, 60 40 it was you i had a face mask on that's all it was <laughs> no this was this was pre-covey <laughs> this was pre-covey and I could actually see human beings' face, which was very comforting, actually. I'd, I'd take that sweet potato deal all over again. Yeah, what's uh, COVID like in Nebraska? What are the uh, restrictions? So, I mean, the restrictions aren't really... I mean, we have to wear masks, like, into stores and stuff, right? And they're saying it spikes. I don't know what to believe anymore. You know, like... Maybe it spiked. May like it's a lot less deaths. I know, but they're they're saying it's spiking. Um, it doesn't seem different. <laughs> I mean, most most every I, I know people that are in the medical the medical fields too, and uh, not not in or at least in Omaha, and they've said that they've talked. Now there's a there's one hospital that is more full, but there's a lot of hospitals in Omaha and then there's others where it's like nothing's going on. So I just don't know. I mean, the restrictions are wear masks. Um, they tell us that, you know, numbers are rising, but I, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not that educated on that. Yeah. What about, have you been what about uh, you guys? keeping up with the golf game in, uh, in Toronto? Oh. oh, it's a bit of a mess here. Is it? Oh, <sighs> Is it like New York City? Uh, not, not that bad, but okay. <laughs> everything's like yeah. shut down now. Gosh, dang. I, I'm from a small town just like outside, like an hour and a half outside of Toronto, and everything feels normal there too, except for the masks going into stores. Right. So that's kind of how – that's where we're at yeah. right now. And people are getting it, and a lot of people I know like are getting it, but um, thankfully, I mean, everyone doesn't really have any symptoms. Like, I mean, there have been a couple that haven't felt good for like a day or two. And then like, I've had a brother-in-law that just lost his taste and that was it. So been fortunate on that end, but yeah, it's it's pretty normal. I I had it. And for those viewers that don't know, I actually missed the CJ cup and the Zozo um, with Mark. And uh, I literally had nothing. Yeah. See, there's, there's a lot of people that, like have absolutely nothing. I just talked to someone today and he's like, yeah, for 30 minutes I had chills and that's it. He, he had chills. You didn't even have the chills. I mean, but that's hard to tell you. I mean, it was to the point where are you sleeping in a stuffy house or a cold, a, a tiny bit chilly house? That's true. And then, and then I, I would wake up with, I, I, you know, maybe the first two days I might have had a slight of nasally nose. But besides that, like you wouldn't dude, expect it's it's like it's like you had a, a somewhat of like a slight allergy and just had a little bit of stuff you know type of thing. See, that's what I heard. I heard it's, I mean, it's like you have, I mean, the the symptoms are endless, right? I mean, it's like oh my gosh, uh, I feel like I have a uh, ingrown hair. That's a COVID related new cancer oh. on WebMD. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it's so, it's so true. Like if if you type in anything anymore, it's a COVID symptom. Yeah, it's like oh, I thought I was really tired, and you know the TV looked blurry. It's like maybe that's because it was like one in the morning, right? No, that's a COVID symptom. Or yeah. some people say uh, Call of Duty got their hand. Yeah, 
I mean, it's it's just it's like what do you know? There was my our producer for our show for our uh, podcast. I think he had like a a rash on his like I don't know. I've I've had irritation too on my arm from like the sun, but they said that my oh that could be a COVID symptoms. Like, what are we doing anymore? Yeah, like, I, like what's COVID? You clear your throat and everyone's looking at you in public. You're like, oh. yeah, it's like. <clears throat> Like, what, or what happens when you get out of a car and like it's really bright outside or even you go out you walk outside from your house and you sneeze and you're in the city and fucking someone looks at you like dude oh my god go to the hospital it's like okay chill your shit yeah so that's probably where i wouldn't do a great do great i'd just keep sneezing on purpose i'd be like chill out i don't have covid yeah, you know, you're coughing, you're like killing like, like everyone's grandparents. Like, like, I, yeah, I know. It's like I apologize that I actually have seasonal Crap. allergies. <laughs> I do, and and I'm gonna let everyone know. Hey guys, I can't sneeze on you, but I have seasonal. I might during the show, but I have seasonal allergies. But for some reason, seasonal allergies is straight Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking straight Kobe. I love that's the that's the slang we're using now. I love that. Straight oh, for Kobe. sure. It's Kobe. It's straight Kobe. Because <laughs> it's, real. it's real. Hashtag Kobe. Yeah, I love it. Danny, what are your thoughts on like all the NFL protocols with it? Like how hard would that be as an NFL player to have to, you know, wear the mask and even comes right down to like the jersey swaps. You're not allowed to swap in jerseys anymore, but you're allowed to go shake his hand kind of thing. Yeah, I, I don't get that. I mean, I don't get the, I don't get the masks on the field. Like, I don't, I don't get why coaches are doing it. And it's, isn't it? <laughs> I've talked about this before. Isn't it odd? Like you're watching coaches, and next thing you know, a head coach, you see his breath because it's cold. Well, guess what? That means even if it's not cold, their breath is getting out. So. What's the, I don't understand the use of the masks, especially when every single person has tested negative for COVID. That's what I don't get. Like I, I, and we're like, so I played football when I'm getting tackled and I'm in a pile, there's sweat, spit, all kinds of stuff going around. Don't you think you'd pass it like that? I mean, I, I just, I don't know. Like, what is this little, the movie Little Giants where you have to wear like freaking foam? Right, right. I mean, it's true though. But when I got it, there was, there was four people, sorry, three other people standing by the house I was at in Vegas and which were around me eight hours a day watching TV, eating yeah. dinner, you know, bullshit and talking and no one got it. So, like, that's, that's also the kind of to your point. Like it's, it's kind of makes you raise an eyebrow. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's just kind of like interesting uh, or is interesting the word. I don't know if interesting is a word, but it's annoying. Like it is a little annoying. My brother-in-law that got it didn't know he had it for a while. Well, he's sleeping in the same bed as his wife, like next to each other. Like it's weird that she never got it. His kids that he would kiss goodnight. It's, I don't know. There's a lot of weirdness to it. I mean, obviously it's, it hits, it does hit some people bad. Like my grandpa didn't hit him bad. He was 92. Then there's another 92 year old that it hits bad. And then they end up, you know, having bad, bad scenario. But I think a lot of it goes back to, you know, even within this, within this illness goes back to uh, natural selection. Like it's just the way it is. Yeah. That's, I mean, it, it's a sucky deal, but it's like it's hard to it's hard to completely stop the your life. But back to the protocols, I never answered your question. It, I think it's I think it's crazy some of the stuff. Um, I think I really do believe they need to do flu protocols. I mean, if you're going to do that, because there are people that like I mean ninety. I mean, it's kind of crazy that ninety eight percent of flu is way down. They say it's 98%. So, like, there's no flu cases. Magically. So. Magic. I love, don't you love how the magic just kind of happens? Um, but I think it's, I think it's important to do something like that, too. Um, we might as well have, you know, protocols for kind of everything because it's just, 
I mean, if we're going to keep everyone safe, I mean, I'm kind of being sarcastic, but kind of being serious. Like if that's, if that's what it is, well, it's like, well, why aren't we testing for everything? No, that's it's, a great point. I say that all the time. People I, I, don't have common sense anymore. Oh gosh. Don't even start with me on that. Like if you just go in this, let's go into imaginary land. All right. It's the land of common sense. If we could do that as just the world, so much better. Like how how much better off would we be? Because there's so many people that are living in this land of like I don't have a brain. Like that's tough. When you live in the land of not having a brain, it's hard to function. But if you if you go straight into common sense, it's like, all right, let's be reasonable and let's let's act like we know what's going on in the world you're probably going to make a good decision. Yeah, no, people have no common sense now. It's nuts. It's it's terrifying. It's like scary, like how... I'm not smart, but how dumb people are, right? Like... Uh, well, it's not dumb. It's just they don't have any fucking common sense, man. Yes, which is super dumb. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. That's way worse. That's like the ultimate level of dumbness. It feels like that. And and like I said, I'm not smart. Yeah. But it's no, just like, common sense. we'll just take, yeah, let's, let's take a deep breath. Before we make a, just a r- crazy rash decision, take a deep breath. Yeah, we'd rather everyone go out of business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's more important. Way it more just important. is way more important. Not going on anymore. But on a level of, I'm a big Saints fan. I mean, they've gotten really screwed by these COVID rules. Yes. We, you were a former Patriots player. Can we agree that the New Orleans Saints are the only other team that has been screwed as poorly as the Patriots? Uh, you know, put it out there. It's, been, it's been tough, but I'll, let me say this. Sean Payton's such a good coach. Like, I've never been coached by him, but I know, like, people that have and just – so he's like a Belichick protege or Parcells protege. And the dude runs things correctly. And he always finds a way to get a team that's good. You know what I'm saying? Even yeah. when it's tough. There's some and, people that have been niched for doing good things know how to do good things, man. And they, they just roll with their own process. And then it's, they, you know, they just keep doing the same thing over and over. And that's, that's him to a T. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's, and I hate to bring it back to the to that on the whole common sense thing, but that's that's what Bill Belichick is. That's what Sean Payton is. Like the the Bill Parcells of the world. Like that's what they are. It's like, oh, that guy's a good football player. Oh, we're gonna play him. Not, oh, that guy was drafted and we're paying him money, and he might suck, but we're gonna play him so I don't look like a moron. They don't do that. They right. say, they say no. We're we're gonna tr- actually try to win football games, which is foreign, you know, to to some of those coaches out there. But they're they're like, hey, let's put the best eleven players out there. Well, how do you think Taysom Hill got on the field? You know, Most- it, it, like it's just he was he was one of the best eleven players. So like, let's try to get one of the best eleven players. You like hate Taysom Hill because you're like he might actually be a better athlete than me. No, I I love Taysom Hill. I think. And you know what's crazy is everyone wanted um, Winston to start over him this last week. Yeah. I'm so glad that Peyton said, no, 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 no. Like, we're going to go out. Th- oh, and what happens? They win like 24 to 9. Like, it wasn't close. And everyone's like, oh, he can't throw. And I was even one, like, I wasn't sure. But, like, I still would have started him over, you know, Jameis just because of all the, you know, the trouble. Defensive coordinators don't want to play Taysom Hill. No. You know, they just don't. caught them off guard too that he barely ran. Yeah, right. And and he ends up going like 18 of 23 for 230 something. Like that's Hey, that's uh, Danny, I have good. a random random question for you. Yeah, I love it. Football. In in your relationship with Belichick, yeah. What what kind of dude is he? Cuz I know a lot of people view him as very harsh sometimes, very um, kind of grumpy at times, but but talking in a sports sense, playing under the guy, what what, what are your views on him? Um, harsh. I don't know if harsh. I mean, people in the real world would view it as very harsh. 
Because it's like, if you're not worth anything, you're getting fired. Right. For me, I love that. 100%. Like, the, if, if, if you're not producing, I get in trouble, like, talking to, like, my, my family and friends who work more normal jobs that aren't professional football. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, this person just keeps messing up. I'm like, well, why, why haven't they fired him? Like, oh, you just can't do that. It's like, no, you can. Like, if you want to be good, you just fire them. You fire the people that suck. And that's something that I appreciated about Bill is if the person wasn't doing his job, you're gone. And it's simple. It's not mean. Common it, sense. Yeah, it really is. And and it's it's not mean. Back to the common sense. It, it's not mean at a at a production level. Like if you want to be a successful business, if you want to be a successful football team, if you want to be a successful anything, like just get rid of the people that aren't doing their job. So when when people say, "Oh, that's Bill Belichick's mantra: do your job," well, it really is what he believes, and and it through that and obviously through the way I was coached earlier and the way I was raised doing your job is actually important and you should be like fired if you're not doing your job I think that's uh, when, when you sign a contract at I don't know say a bank and you're a teller if you're not doing a job the job of a teller like you should be fired right like uh, without a doubt if, if, if you're not, if you're a construction worker and you're sucking terribly at construction, you should be fired. It's, it's, it's not, it's not mean. It's just like, maybe do what you're, what what you, is, do what you said you were going to do in your contract when you signed it. And, and I think that's the, the biggest thing with Bill is I felt like, oh, like, does it, did it suck sometimes? Like, is, is he harsh? I mean, he just expects a lot. That's that's the biggest thing is he just expects a lot out of his players and to do their jobs. So like, I respected it more than anything. Were there times that like he was annoying? Yeah, but there's times that every coach is annoying. Anyone that's played team sports and has a coach, their coaches can be annoying. I still got a I still got along with them. Most listening, I guess, don't know how. Or I guess we also don't know how an NFL locker room really works. How much is it that you deal with Belichick? like face on or are you dealing with the running backs coach more or the offensive coordinator? yeah so i uh, more so with the running backs coach and offensive coordinator but i mean we still would have meetings every day with bill so you're still dealing with the head coach depending on the team but like he was the voice and he wanted to make sure we knew where he stood on the game plan each week or on what was expected so we always knew so like if if you get fired or whatever it's like you knew what all the expectations were. And if you weren't living up to them, that can happen. Or like, if you're not playing well, that can happen. You can get fired. I mean, there were times in the playoffs, I think my first year, or it was like right before the playoffs, the guy played like 35 plays and was fired the next day because he didn't do good. And like he, well, he dude, didn't cover anyone. Go back to a sales job. If you're the lead of a team and you're not selling products, you're going to get fired. Yeah. And, and I mean, at least the successful ones. Right. You know, like if, if you're at like some trash bag organization, yeah, you're probably not getting fired because they don't care, I guess that you're, they're making enough money or something that puts money in their pockets, but it's not like they don't, they don't care about being like what I would say elite or very good. Um, yeah, that's, that's so like, that's the thing I learned about Bill is like, but he, he's a good dude. He's a nice guy. But, I mean, when it's all said and done, he's going to put the team, like, that's that's the most important thing to him. Do you really believe he doesn't know what's happening in the rest of the world? No, that's bull crap. Thank you. It has to Bill, be. Bill knows. I mean, I don't know how many times he can come into a, a meeting and talk about social media, and he said, he'd always be like, I don't know what you're doing on that MyFace or that Facebook. We like, first have, of all, uh, it's Bill. We're, my I don't even joke. MySpace doesn't exist anymore, and you know that, Bill. We literally you know? me and Justin go to broadcasting school together. That's how we met, and we actually have a teacher exactly like that. I think it was like the first day of school. He's like on that tweeter thing or that 
Insta Twitter or whatever. And we're yeah, like, he, no, and he's on the book. Like, that, you know, come on. That's straight Bill right there. That's that acting like he has no idea what's going on. That's that's Bill Belichick. But he knows exactly what's going on. It's amazing. We've heard of like the harsh side of Bill. Is there any funny stories you have, like a lighter side of him? You know, there's not really any funny stories, but he would bring up like nothing that I can really remember that like really sticks out. But the dude had a sense of humor and he'd he'd make jokes and you're like, oh, Bill's kind of funny, actually. He actually does have a heart or a personality. Because before you're like, you, you don't know, but then after a while, you're like, he's kind of funny. He's just not going to, he's not going to let people on the outside know that. And I think that's how he wants it. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's For awesome. Sure. It's like him and Popovich, I feel like, are very similar in that way. Yeah, I think, I think very similar in that way. Yeah, before, as you can see, see, we're like the exact same. We go on like absurd tangents. We're supposed to be a No, that's podcast. great. You didn't that's know what you're getting into. No, that's great. But uh, before we get to some listeners' questions, because we got a ton of them in the end, let's just get a little bit back into the golf with how do yeah. you like start getting into golf? And then like, how do you get to where you are basically now in the golf community? Yeah, I was probably eight when I really started playing, but it wasn't, it was like I'd go out with my dad and my brother. It was a great you know, that was some of my best memories of being with my dad. I mean, besides being coached by him was going out and playing golf. And that was pretty awesome. Like it's, it's a sport that like all ages can play. So I got into it and it was competitive because obviously every time you're competing against yourself, um, ended up really liking it. Didn't play much in high school because sports and didn't play much in college because of sports. Um, but I had played, you know, growing up some in the summers. And then once I got to the NFL, I ended up, you know, picking it up and playing a little bit more. And uh, so my rookie year on is when, I mean, I've played ever since, you know, I, I've played a lot. And it was just one of those things that I've always, I've had good enough hands to kind of get it around, like around the green, like putting and chipping. So even if I hit the ball, like I've never seen a golf ball in my life, I could still figure it, figure it out around the green so I could save myself and shoot seventies or whatnot. And that's why I was like, I'll be fine. But then once I retire, I, I knew I wanted to play am stuff. I knew I wanted to play competitively and I just didn't realize how much work I had to, to do. So first year, you know, being back, I didn't practice. I'd just go out and play. And then my, my coach, my buddy said, all right, we got to figure something out basically. And you just kind of got to commit to it. And I was like, I don't really want to, but I finally just, he convinced me. I was like, all right, let's do it. I'm tired of shooting 73 to 78, you know, like I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be stuck there forever. And that I, I ended up taking it up. I, practice now often i'll practice here in the winter often um probably not five days a week but i'll probably practice at least three days a week um like an indoor we have a at our club we have a indoor where we have we can hit out they they have bays but you can also they have nets in there and they have track man and you know a putting area so like i have places that i can practice and then i'll i'll do some trips in the the winter um, but it's been a process. I mean, I, I set goals, which I never had in golf. Like my first year, I was like, you know what? I'm retired. I want to, I kind of want to get close to a scratch. And I think I ended up getting down. I don't know. ended up being around one or two. Like how good were you when you retired or you hadn't played? So, so, so I would have been probably around a five. Okay. So not like great, but I was, I could go out and shoot in the seventies. And depending on and so I, I got down to close to a scratch uh, and I mean everyone knows how the handicap system works everyone that plays so I mean you could catch a heater and get low but anyways I was like all right next year I want to get in the next year I want to get in year two I want to get into the pluses so I just grind it out still my swing sucked but I was figuring it out a little bit and I got I don't know plus one and a half and I was like all right 
I want to keep going. And the funny thing is I talk to like guys that golf or guys that are around a scratch or guys that are whatever. And they're like, yeah, but you're going to see you can't go much further. It's just, it's hard. It's so minute. It's like, really, bro? Like you're going to tell like, fine. If that's, if that's what it is, but like, you don't need to tell me that. And, and I, and all I want to do is prove you wrong. So I'm like, no, these guys, these jabronis that are trying to tell me that I can't keep going, like I want to prove them wrong. And so then I obviously worked and worked and going into this year, I was like, well, I'm going to, I want to get a little deeper into the pluses and end up playing pretty good, get to plus two and a half. And then I catch a heater and I get to almost a plus four. And it's like, I don't want to say like I proved them wrong. Like that wasn't like the goal, but I wanted to prove to myself that like, no, you can keep, if you like keep grinding, you can actually get kind of good. Now was my plus, it was like plus three, seven. Is that what I was? No. Cause I just caught a heater. Like I'm probably like a plus two and a half, you know? Cause then I, I caught a, a month where I couldn't, it's like, I didn't know how to play golf. So then I, then I fluctuate and you get back down. So it's, it's one of those never ending things, but I just want to get as good as I can. Like, I love the game of golf. I want to compete in am tournaments. So it's like, let's just see how good I can get. Does it, does it mean I'm going to be a pro? No, I understand that. That's not like my profession was football. I'm not saying my profession. I got a quick comparison that people might understand here. If you're an amateur golfer and you keep a handicap, okay, and you compare your handicap amongst every other amateur golfer that keeps a handicap in the United States, mm-hmm. okay, it's the same, almost the same as having a world ranking. Yeah. Right? You, your scores roll off and your tournaments roll off. Right. And it's, it's the same deal. Yeah. And so having a handicap is not easy to keep it at a plus two or a plus three. You could go win two golf tournaments in five weeks and then go cold for 10 months. Right. It just happens. It's a game. Yeah. And like in, in, in the funny thing is it's like you get bad, ha- like even when you're playing good and sometimes that's the worst, you'll randomly form some random bad habits. And then it just, you don't notice it until like a month later. And you're like, why am I doing this? Like and next thing you know, you're shooting 77, 78. And you're like, what is going on? Like I, I've been playing really good. But I mean, that's, that's golf and that I love, I do love that part of it too, because then it's like, I, after I got to the plus three, seven or whatever, a couple weeks after I just, I played in the, like a freaking windstorm, like it was blowing 25. So I got some of my old bad habits into it and it took me a month to figure out like, what am I doing? And I was like, I, I literally couldn't shoot under 74. Like I just couldn't. And I was like, okay, I guess I suck at golf again. I mean, that's not really what it was, but I like, that's, I was like, all right, I got to figure this out. So after, I mean, I worked hard, obviously sending videos to my coach and then I kind of break through, not break through, but then I'm back to, you know, shooting some 68s and whatever. And it's like, oh, I actually do know how to swing the club, but, it, but you go through, it's like the ebbs and flows of golf. I love it. I hate it at the same time, but it's, it's awesome. Cause it's, it gives me, it always gives me something to work on. Do you have any desire to try and go pro? Not, not really. I, I, Is I, there I, any sport that's harder when you take a month off? Oh no, no. If I, if I, if I don't have a club in my hand in a week, it's like, I put it back in my hand and I'm like, where am I? You know, it's like Bambi trying to walk. I just, you're like, I have no idea what to do. And so I will say this when I wasn't, not that I'm good, but when I wasn't as good, it was, it wasn't that noticeable, but now being in the pluses, it's noticeable. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I always have to, I always have to kind of be on, you know, um, to, to answer your question on going pro, I've never, no, I haven't, I would love to play in like some pro tournaments. Like it'd be really cool to someday like 
somehow qualify. But like, that's not my goal right now is to play in AM stuff. Uh, me and uh, my four ball partner qualified for the U.S. four ball. That's that's cool. Like, I wanted I want to do stuff like that. I want to play in national tournaments. Um, but I I understand the level of good that pro golfers are. So I know I'm not there, but I I like to think I'm getting better than what I was, you know, and, and, and I'd love to compete in a lot of AM stuff. They're way too good. And, uh, well, firstly, remember that whole thing we had to talk about being relatable. We're going to have to work on that by the next time you come back. Cause <laughs> not relatable. <laughs> it's relatable ish, right? So relatable, <laughs> but, uh, sorry about Reed. Reed's had some, uh, lagging issues. So but we're going to head to you, Reed. We know you got a couple sponsors and ad reads for us before we hit some listeners' questions. Absolutely. Uh, as always, we'd like to give a shout out to our uh, friends and family uh -oh. to help uh, myself and uh, myself out and you guys as well. Uh, we like to promote them out here on the pod. First, uh, former cars out in Columbus, Ohio, they create. The, their own designs of Cobras, custom Cobras, uh, anything of that nature, Mustangs. Um, that's a Tommy Dodge in California, uh, custom design, design polos. Go to tddesign.com, and he will uh, – anything you need, they'll create a line for whatever you need. Uh, surf and Turf Golf uh, out in uh, Texas. Surfandturfgolf.com, punch in custom code. Read Martin 15 in the shopping cart with a 15% after podcast. And then uh, not last but not least, always see you guys. You guys are my favorite. I uh, love having you guys around. Um, you know, you guys supporting the brand and supporting the logo. Love it. Awesome. Now uh, for our final segment here, we got, we got a bunch of questions. Obviously, we got a bunch of NFL fans who still follow, but I'll try to get to the biggest golf questions we have here. We got from Mike Renzulli, too. He said, What's the biggest difference in challenges mentally between being out on a football field and a golf course? Yeah, I, the, I think the biggest, the biggest challenge is football was my profession. So it's like something that I was just, I mean, I was gifted at and, and it was my profession. So like the amount of practice and everything, like by game time, I was fine. And so like mentally that wasn't that big of a deal. Whereas in golf, like that's not something that like, I'm not a pro at it. So, so it's hard, it's harder for me and it's hard to, the muscle memory in the NFL was so good for me. Whereas I'm in a big, like say the Nebraska am like my muscle memory isn't like that in golf. Whereas your, your practice habits take over in, in football and obviously I was pretty good at football and then golf. I mean, I'm, I'm fine at it, but I'm not, I'm not professional. So mentally it's just fighting, like fighting what I, my strengths maybe is kind of what I would say. Awesome. Then what's tougher to read a blitz package or undulated greens? So it's my profession, but blitz packages are very difficult for um i mean they're difficult for quarterbacks so as a running back too you had to know you had so many different um responsibilities i had in most protections i had the weak side linebacker and then i had anyone in the secondary but also the strong side linebacker if the middle linebacker and the strong side linebacker came then i would have to take the strong side so the blitz package is way more confusing and makes your head spin more. Uh, a quick one here. Uh, one of my buddies wanted me to ask, have you talked with Tom Brady about golf, when, whether when you, was, when you played with him or after? You know, not a lot. I, I know he likes the game, but like when I was in New England, I was younger. So like I was just like going to do whatever the heck Tom said. Like, hey, how do you want this route ran? Yeah. And I'll run it, you know, whereas if I would have played, I don't know what, four years after that, I would have been much more comfortable. Like 
where Philip Rivers was one of my best friends. So it was, it was just the timing. So like, I didn't talk to Tom a ton. I mean, I talked to him, but not on a friendship level like that as much, but Tom was a great guy. I just, I was just, yeah. And I was just, my head was down and I was just trying to make the team. Just trying to do your job. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Is it easier to maintain your focus in golf because you're not worried about getting hit? That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I would have never, I would have never thought that when I was playing now, looking back at what I did, like that seems a little obnoxious. Like, I'm like, what did I do for 10 years? Like, that's right, stupid. Shit, people aren't trying to kill me now. Yes. Like I'll even be watching games and I'll be like, what a moron. Right. Like <laughs> football's such a crazy game. And I'm like, I can't believe I did that. And I don't have any desire to ever do anything like that again. That's why I love golf. So I would say, I'd say, yeah, I, I'd say, I'd say football. If you're asking me now, that's way crazier. But like then it didn't bother me. Nothing bothered the me. A question either. going that, which is true. Is it, I guess you sort of answered my question, but you never get the desire to just go back out there and like, like it must be some adrenaline rush. It was, but like, now I anything that I filled my competitive juices with with football, it's all in with golf. So any like playing tournaments, so like I, I'm not one that'll unless like I have a f- couple friends or like if it was with my brother, I have no desire to play in like scrambles or anything like that, just because there's no pressure for me, you know. I love playing stroke play tournaments um, because that's what gets my juices flowing and stuff. Like that's what kind of gets me uh, the, the, the rush. Like I remember the first tournament I played in on the first tee, I was like, what am I even doing here? I'm playing with all these college golfers. I suck. What am I doing? And my heart was pounding. And that's when I knew like, okay, I'm really glad I'm not playing football anymore because I can get that same rush without getting decapitated. Yeah. Uh, you guys played some better courses than me because every once in a while I'm a little worried I'm going to get smoked by a ball or who I'm playing with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're yeah, four, four, 400 yards away. <laughs> uh, back to the guy who you just said is one of your better friends in, go- in football. We have a couple Philip Rivers questions for you. Okay. You can probably imagine what they're going to be about. Does Philip Rivers trash talk, trash talk during practice like he does during games? Uh, yeah, I would say. So, yes, I mean it would be jawing back and forth with the defense all day. Now, one of our other really good buddies, Eric Weddle, one of our other best friends, yeah. was on defense, and I mean it was constant, especially like in training camp or OTAs. So the off season, I mean it was. It was constant, and and Phil and I would be kind of the ringleaders in it, and we'd make sure that, I mean, we talk we talk to our defensive coordinator, we talk to like because that's what's fun. I mean, that's that's what's enjoyable. Now, I didn't like Phil talks in games. I didn't talk in games. That just wasn't my thing. Unless you talk to me first, and it was really stupid, then I'd maybe talk back. But other than that, I wasn't going out to. I wasn't I wasn't gonna talk to anyone, but in practice all day. All was day. there one opponent that talked a lot? Like you just remember him just constantly going? Um not not to me, but Suggs was always talking. I hated him. And then I played with him in Baltimore and I actually loved him. So it's just kinda I feel like there's some players that are like that though, that you love them when you love them and you hate yes, them. Like, doing their job well, I guess. Before I played with Philip, I hated Philip because I was a Denver fan growing up. So I hated him. And then I got there. It was kind of disappointing that he was one of my better friends. I was like, ah, that kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't really want to like you. So who's your team now or do you just root for your buddies in the league? Yeah, it's more so buddies or just players that I like appreciate or like. Yeah, so I, I, I still watch and I love it. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a team. Is there one team that you despise? Um, not really. 
I mean, even like rivals, like there, there wasn't a team that I like hated. Um, cause like when, when I was in San Diego, like the Raiders or the, any of the AFC West, like people would be like, Oh yeah, we hate them. I didn't really hate them. Like, I don't really care. Like it's not, it's not like college where like you really despise teams. Whereas in the league, it's just like, yeah, they're super annoying, but like I still have some friends over there. You just have to play against them more. Yeah. You have to, and I don't like them when I play against them, but like, it wasn't like I hated playing against them. Guys move over too much. I think from like team to team. Yes. And and that's what it is. So you end up having buddies on because of free agency, you end up having friends or people you played with on all teams. Yeah. Uh, did Philip Rivers ever ask you to babysit? his like 48 kids. <laughs> Never. And I wouldn't have. What's the exact count on I, that? I'm they, they have not, they have nine. But did he like now, down on you? He's like just four. Yeah. It's like, what a loser. No. You know, what's crazy is like, they're, their kids, like, it doesn't even seem like they have that many because they're all su- such well-mannered kids. So, like, I, there are a couple times we went over for, like, grill-outs, you know, and it doesn't – very well-mannered kids, very respectful, and it doesn't seem like they have that many kids. It's kind of like crazy. Yeah, yeah it's not like, out. what is going on here? It's like, do you guys really have that many? Like, you, you – it's like my at the time we had three. It's like my three seemed crazier than your seven at the time. Well, he's yeah. still going. He'll have ten in no time. Oh, God. Danny, so you're ta- you're telling me he's popping out quicker than you are. Uh, I I uh, oh no, we're done. <laughs> Not a Philip. We're done. No, it. yeah, Phil has nothing. Uh, we're done. We're happy with our four. Four seasons. <laughs> it, would, it would have to be a miraculous conception. <laughs> You're telling me, Danny, the scissors came into play. No, uh, my wife had four C-sections. So wow. Tubes were tied on the last. Wow. The doc said, uh, it actually, you actually, because it's dangerous to have too many. And they said, she goes, you could actually probably go for, I go, nope. <laughs> get them tied, you know? And I looked at my wife, she's like, yep, get them tied, so. I still thought about doing the scissors though too because there is a two percent chance that that could go wrong or like whereas with the scissors it's not as I mean it's still like probably one percent but it's like I don't understand the percentages they don't I, make I don't, sense I don't either but like it scares me when they say it it's like condoms condoms are supposed to be ninety nine point nine. I mean, we call bull- I call bullshit on that. Uh, yeah, I, 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 per time, because then if you do it fifty times, you're gonna have a kid. If if, <laughs> if, if what? Is it two percent every time? Yeah, no, no, it's not every time. There's a base I, on I, like an average of the yeah. It's probably on. I don't know, but either way, that's still a number that's not zero. Very and that, good point. And that, and that and that scares me, and it's like sometimes I just want to play have us both playing defense and then if somehow it happened then god just really wanted us to have a fifth and then it's like okay but i'd rather have two i'd, I'd rather have two defensive players two goalies you don't want any running backs in there anymore no no i no no or 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 the fullbacks I mean, the fullbacks are the worst <laughs> very true very true uh, our last question for you is uh what's it like scoring a touchdown in the super bowl that's yeah, when I scored it, it. It wasn't even like I realized I scored like in a Super Bowl until I caught it, got down, I started to spike it, and then I realized I was like, "Oh crap! This is a Super Bowl, Super Bowl touchdown ball." I can't. I yeah. I can't. I can't. No, I can't spike it because I don't want to lose it. So I started to, and I just dropped it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" We're in, like, I was thinking, looking down, I was like. This is a Super Bowl, and I just scored a touchdown, and then I played it off like I was cool. But uh, it was a very surreal experience. Like I, I can still remember it. Um, it was in the end zone where my my wife and my parents were sitting too, so that was cool. It was just uh, it was an experience that like you net 
you never think you're going to play in the NFL. You never think you're going to play in the playoffs. You never think you're going to play in the Super Bowl. And you sure as heck don't think you're going to score in the Super Bowl. So it was just it's kind of crazy that it happened, but it was an amazing experience. Even though we lost, like, it was, it was awesome. I hope you got to keep that ball. Yeah. Oh, it, I kept it. I didn't keep a lot. Oh, like, I didn't keep a lot of stuff from the NFL. I just didn't care. Like, I kept helmets, you know. But, like, that was the – I think that might have been the only ball I really kept. So like, you're not seeing jerseys or helmets or anything. I, I have I have helmets. I have helmets and I have a jersey from each team. But other than that, like I threw everything. What about your first touchdown ever? You have that ball? No, I don't know where it's at. <laughs> wow, bro. I, I, I just like don't care. Like I I don't I don't know. There's there's certain things that I care about. Like I care about the touchdown. Good way. That says a lot about you, man. That says a lot about you. Well, yeah, I in just. A good, well, I appreciate it. I, I just, I don't, I don't really care. And like, even when people talk about the NFL, it's, it's funny. Cause we're, we're talking about the Super Bowl touchdown. People will be like, how many rings do you have? I like none. I was like, I lost. And they're like, Oh, I'm sorry, man. It's like, why? Yeah. You're in a like, Super who cares? Bowl. Yeah. And it's like, just who cares anyways? Like it's, I it's not the Super Bowl on Madden. I got smoked. And, but it was still sick. You made the Super Bowl. It's still sick. Four picks in the first half, though, then I quit. Never finished the Super Bowl. But it's like, I don't even, like, I just don't care that much. Like, it was fun. And man, like, it, I'm so fortunate and so blessed because I was able to play in the NFL for 10 years. Way bigger than football and sports, man. Way, way bigger. Like, I, the, the thing that's cool is, it's provided me the opportunity to do something I love and play golf a lot. And, and also has provided me the opportunity to, you know, do a podcast, to have a consulting company. Like that's, that's cool. Like that's the cool part. Like if people, and, and the thing is too, people are like, what do you want to be remembered for? Like, do you want to be like third down back, yada, yada. I could care less what people think of me as a football player. I, I mean, I hope like my teammates were like, Man, Woodhead was really good. Like, I hope they say that. But like, if someone's gonna bring up my name to a teammate, I hope the first thing they say is like, "He's a really cool dude." Like, I enjoyed, I enjoyed like the stupid stuff he did in the locker room. Great. Or like, you know, like he was he he always pranking people, or he he was always there. If man, I I wasn't playing a lot, like I could go just complain to him. Like I, I hope that's what people say. I don't, I don't, I'm not really concerned with them about saying like, oh, he was really good pass catching running. Man back. of the people, the man of the people. I don't know. Sure, we'll, t- I'll take, I'll take that, man. And I'll be honest, I had you on a fantasy team, bro. Did you really? Hopefully, absolutely. I helped you out a little. No, with the receiving yards and a PPR, absolutely. That's that's. Hey, that's the next thing I wanted people to say. I mean, you have to. Know I had that. him in a fantasy league, and he was fire. You have to know that. I feel like because I was right around my high school years. You have to realize you were like the first PPR legend in fantasy football. Man, I tr- I tried to represent. I did. You were the OG. The OG. <laughs> I appreciate it. Now. <laughs> yeah, you I don't know who it is. Just catches. Yeah, I I don't know who it is anymore. Yeah, who knows? But uh, thanks for the question. We have one last segment. We got Reed. He gives his trivia fact. Reed, you introduce it. We know how much you love this part. Oh, fuck. I mean, where have we been? In Vegas. We've been in uh, Jacksonville. We've been in, um, I mean, wherever. L.A., wherever. This week, being that we have the week off, and I was supposed to go home to Seattle for Thanksgiving, we actually ended up going to uh, Playa del Carmen because Seattle is shut down. So I have a Playa del Carmen stat for you this week, and I or trivia fact for you this week, and I will have another one for you next week as we are playing the Mayakoba Classic. Um, first trivia, it's actually two for you tonight. Uh, first trivia question for you from Playa del Carmen: White sand beaches are made from what? A crushed shells. B, dead fish bones, C, algae, or D, crushed coral, coral? I really want this to be the dead fish bones. I do too. I'm going crushed coral. You're going the coral? I'm going the coral. 
Danny? I just want the dead fish bones. I don't think right. it is, but I want it. The answer is D crushed coral. Uh, Pretty simple. Their sand sucks. It, it does. It does. <laughs> Second question, uh, and actually the crazier of the two. In 1970, this many people lived in Cancun, and they took care of coconut plant, uh, plantations. Now, and the population is now over 700,000. Did Sarah come yeah. up with these questions? She did. Nice. <laughs> I was busy smoking a Cuban cigar, man. Uh, so the answers are A, three people, B, 13,000 people, C, 300,000 people, or D, 73,000 people. This many people lived in Cancun in 1970. Can't be three. It's yeah, three I. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it be three. <laughs> I'm gonna go thirteen that seventy three thousand actually. Seventy three? I'm yeah. going thirteen. I I'll like whatever Danny's gut decision was thirteen, so it has to be. The answer is A, three people in nineteen seventy lived in Cancun. Do we know their names? <laughs> Sarah. What's one of their names? Sarah, do better research. <laughs> three? Three people in nineteen seventy maintained the coconut plantations in Playa, Playa del Carmen. That's and this crazy. Is now growing to what it is. That's so nuts. Think about that. So that right there, Danny, is why we do trivia every week because you learn shit like that. Yeah, I learned a lot. I did not think it was three. <laughs> you learned that. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. You, another great episode of the From the Back Teeth podcast. Thanks so much, Danny, for making the time. We really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll have you on back, have you back on again sometime soon. We'll have to do it. Thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. All right, well, thank you. Have a good night. Love you all. Thanks.